Amen. Good morning. Ephesians 2, 4 through 6 says, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. What a love. What a love. We could sing of that love forever and ever. Over the mountains and the sea, your river runs with love for me. And Lord, I will open up my heart and let the healer set me free. I'm happy to be in the truth. And I will daily lift my hands for I will always sing of that day when your love came down. Sing with us as we open this morning. I could sing of your love forever. Over the mountains and the sea, your river runs with love for me. And I will open up my heart and let the healer set me free. I'm happy to be in the truth, and I will daily lift my hands. For I will always sing of when your love came down. I could sing of your love forever. 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 Over the mountains, over the mountains and the sea, your river runs with love for me. And I will open up my heart and let the healer set me free. I'm happy to be in the truth, and I will daily lift my hands, for I will always sing of when your love came down. I could sing of your love forever. I could sing. I could sing of your love forever. I could sing of your love forever. I could sing of your love forever. I could sing of your love. I could sing of your love forever. 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 What a love. And when we think of this thought that the Creator came to die for the created, the King of the universe came for you and for me to save us, to ransom us, to redeem us. The only thing we can say is that love is truly amazing. Sing with us now. Amazing love. How can it be that you, my King, would die for me? Spirit is with 
again. I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. I'm accepted. You were condemned. Amazing love, how can it be? Amazing love, how can it be? That you, my King, would die for me. Amazing love, I know it's true. It's my joy to honor you in all I do. In all I do, I honor you. Sing amazing love. Amazing love, how can it be that you, my King, would die for me? Amazing love, I know. My joy to honor in all I do, in all I do, I honor you, I honor you, sing in all I do, in all I do, I honor you, in all I do, in all I do, I honor you. Paul says, I pray that you will have the power to comprehend how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of our Lord. This is one of my favorite hymns. We're going to close with this today. The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell. O love of God, how rich and pure. And this song, I believe, contains the greatest verse of song ever written in the second verse. Listen and sing with us. Is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell. The guilty pair bowed down with care. God gave his son. To win his erring child, he reconciled and pardoned from his sin. Sing it out. Oh, love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong, it shall Listen to this now. Could we with the ocean fill? And were the skies a parchment made 
Over every stalk on earth a quail and every man a scribe by trade to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry nor could the scroll contain the whole though stretched from sky to sky oh love of God of God, oh, love of oh, love God, God. God. Saints and angels, song. the saints and angels, the saints and angels, shall forever more endure the saints and angels song the love of God imagine where would be where we would be today if it weren't for the love of God what a beautiful hymn thank you worship team you lifted us up and you know they played it uh, a Irish tune isn't it what do we call that? A Irish thing, you know. And it was beautiful, beautiful. Randy and the team, thank you very much. We miss you. And I hope we'll hear from you more and more. We are thankful for them all. You know, uh, I was meditating on a verse this week from the book of Job. From the book of Job. And I said, I want to talk to the church about it. I normally like to take a personality and talk about it. But today I want to talk about a verse. But most of us know about the book of Job. And uh, why is it there? And when we think about it, we think about the, what Job went through. We think about his, his pain. And it was atrocious pain. And we think about those people who came supposedly to uh, talk to him and to comfort him. And uh, there were no comforters. God is a comforter. But if you ask why the 
the Lord allowed this to happen. And uh, while sitting there and meditating and enjoying the love of God this morning. And you know, it's all about the love of God. Amen. It's all about the love of God. How God allowed it to encourage us. You know that? The very first thing to encourage us. So when we go through pain, when we go through things in life that we hate to mention and we hate to go through, that he is a sovereign God. He allows it. He allowed it. And he stopped it. And also I thought about with God. His plan is always the best plan for you and me. Can I hear an amen on that? Amen. His plan is never to hurt you, but to bring you closer to him. Amen. His plan is never to let you worse than you began, but to make you a better person when you started. Amen. His plan for Job, if you take the last, last verses, in the last chapter, he said, and the Lord blessed Job double. He has always a happy ending for his people. Regardless what happened at the beginning, what goes through the journey, but it's always a happy ending with Jesus Christ. Now let's read. Let's go to the word of God. This is the source of everything. The book of Job, chapter 1, verse 1 through 10. There was a man in the land of Uz, whose name was Job, and that man was blameless, upright, fearing God, and turning away from evil. And seven sons and three daughters were born to him. His possessions also were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female of donkeys, and very many servants. And that man was the greatest of all the men of the East. And his sons used to go and hold a feast in the house of each one of, on his day. And they would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. And it came about. When the days of feasting had completed their cycle that Job would send and consecrate them, rising up early in the morning and offering burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, perhaps, my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did continually. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, from where did you come? The Lord knows, but he wanted an answer. Then Satan answered to the Lord and said, from roaming about on the earth and walking around on it. Isn't that true? Isn't that true? He roams around and he wants to devour, but... We are untouched through Jesus Christ. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? For there is no one like him on the earth. A blameless and upright man, fearing God and turning away from evil. Then Satan answered the Lord, Does Job fear God for nothing? Does Job fear God for nothing? Listen to verse 10, and this is our message today. Hast thou not made a hedge about him and his house and all that he has on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. May God bless his word. From the new, excuse me, King James Version, verse 10 says, Have you not 
made a hedge around him, around his household, and around all that he has on every side. You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. Job, the book, tells the story of Job, the man of God. It is a gripping drama of riches to rags and backs to riches. A, if you will please, a theological study about suffering and divine sovereignty. It's a picture also of faith that endures. He was, Job, a model of trust and obedience to God, as we read in verse 1. There was a man in the land of Uz, whose name was Job, and look what he was, blameless, upright, fearing God, and turning away from evil. Let us not notice one thing also. I'm not going to talk about Job this morning, but I'm giving you a background. Let's notice also that God did not dispute Satan's statement that he had set a hedge around Job and around all that he owned. Moreover, God proceeded to show that his fence around Job was higher and stronger than even Satan had imagined. God has placed a hedge around his own, folks. God placed a hedge around you, and you, and you, around all his children. He placed a, a very high edge and wants to remind us this morning that we are at all times being watched and cared for. My message today is the fence of God or the hedge of God, whichever, whichever is easier. But we are used to fences because we have fences around our homes, right? So this is it. And what does verse 10, it says, have you not made a fence around him? Around his possessions, around his children, around what he does, around his... Uh, uh, he's, he keeps increasing and increasing in the land. It is because take off the, fe the hedge and we'll see what happens. God did not dispute that. And we're not going to talk. We'll leave it to another time. But I want to talk to, to you about the fence of God around you. What does it, this fence suggest? And if we have the time, in the next 20 minutes... If we have the time, we'll finish this today. If not, I promise you, we will do it on the first of next month, okay? This, this is an appointment with you. God's hedge around us suggests the very first thing. Take that, and if you want to put it in your Bibles, ownership. Ownership. That suggests that he owns us. How do you feel this morning if God owns you? Amen. We started good. I think we're going to have a good time together. I think we're going to have time. We're going to fly. Okay. As long as we wait for the Lord to fly us out. Okay. He owns you. So many people resent that. So many people say, I am the master of myself. I don't want anybody to own me. But the Christian should be under this conviction that I am no more my own ever since I took him as my savior. Amen. I am his. And being his, you can say, the Lord is my shepherd. He owns me. I am his sheep. And I will obey him as long as he is my owner. And it goes further. If he owns you, isn't he to be your governor? 
Isn't he to be your boss? If God has created you and redeemed you and redeemed us all, don't, can't we say that we became his property? God knew about this man in the land of Oz. Job. He did everything right in the, hand, in the eyes of God. And he loved God. And the God said, Job, I'm going to protect you. He was God's. He was his. And he rejoiced in being owned by God. In Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 1 we read, Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. And my question to you this morning, at the very beginning of my message, are you his? Do you belong to Jesus Christ? Or do you belong? If you don't belong to Jesus Christ, would you mind helping me, telling me, who do you belong to? If you don't belong to God, who do you belong to? And I speak to those people who cannot answer this and to say, I, Adol, I belong to Jesus Christ. If you cannot answer this question freely, in all consciousness, in all liberty, if you cannot say, I belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, he redeemed me. Uh, one day, I met him at the cross of Calvary. And there I asked him to come into my life, to come into my heart, to change me, to make me a new person. If you did not have this experience, what is your answer to this question? Who do you belong to today? And I hope before we leave this place, you can, we will be able to answer this question and say, while leaving or before you leave, I belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, take me. I am yours. And if you can say that, I congratulate you. You belong to Jesus Christ. And this, guess what? And he has built a fence around you. And this fence says, you are my own. And let me ask you a question. When you become his own, when you are within his fence, in within his property, would he allow anything to harm you? You answer me. No. Would he allow, when he allows us to go through different experiences in life? Yes. The answer is yes. Would he allow us to go through sadness sometimes? Through depression sometimes? Would he allow things to happen to us? Sometimes death. But let me say one thing. Jesus Christ is in control over all these things. You are fenced by him. And within that fence, you will never be disappointed because the end is far more better than you have even dreamed of. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 23, he says, You belong to Christ. Paul writing to them, You belong to Christ. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20 and 21, we read, You are not your own anymore. Do you resent that or you say, Thank you, Lord? You are not your own, for you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. What was the price that was paid for you and me? What was the price? The price was the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He owned you. And you know, can you go and place a fence around your neighbor's land or your neighbor's property? You wouldn't dare, would you? You want to keep a good neighbor, right? Says, uh, I want to put a fence there. You can't do that. By law, you cannot. But by pure redemption, he bought us. 
He is free to put a fence around you. And so many people resent it. The world resents to be tied, to be, to be living uh, according to God's rules and, if you will please, regulations. Oh, what beautiful rules. Send them over, Lord, more and more. Show me your ways, Lord, more and more so I can live within that fence that you have put around me. It is a fence to protect you. It's a fence of ownership. It's a fence that says... My property, you are my property, and I am not going to let the devil touch you uh, as long as I am God. That means forever, right? A friend of my dad used to come home. I wasn't saved even. I wasn't then saved. And I had a good relationship with him because he always encouraged me, and he used to tell me, Adol, you're going to be a man of God. I used to feel good, but I knew I wasn't. I'm, I'm, I'm going on in life. I don't want this life. I don't want to be like my dad. But you know, I got saved. And one day I was having a discussion with him. And I said, tell me, how are things? He says, I go through situations and when I feel, Adol, I want to tell you something. When I feel I'm in a da- dangerous situation, I wrote it here because I cry to the Lord, your property is in danger. I said, your property is in danger. I said, okay, brother, what, what, oh, and how, what, what happened? And you say, he says, he always helps me at all times. There is an unseen sign around your life. Maybe you don't know it. Kara, there is an unseen sign there around your life that, that says, God's Property, beware. (laughs) Not beware of dogs. Beware. Do not touch. So we said, the very first thing is ownership. And this is my question, don't forget it. Who owns you? Who owns you? When you leave this place, does God own me? Second word. We still have 20 minutes. I got to go. Second word. Preciousness. Preciousness. Have you not made a hedge? I said, yeah, I made a hedge. You and I are of great value to him. Do you know that? Just remember what he paid. Great value. This is why Matthew writes in chapter 13, verses 45 and 46, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant. And who's that merchant? The Lord. Seeking fine pearls. And upon finding one pearl, one Christian, one soul of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. He gave his life. Do you know how much you're precious? The life of Christ was given for your life. That's how precious you are. Don't try to weigh it. Don't try to explain it. That's how precious you and I are. There are millions today of unfenced acres in the United States. They're not worth a fence. They are lands, waste lands. But fertile fields are fenced all the time. They are protected. If you bought a piece of land somewhere in the mountains, what do you do the very first thing? You go there, identify your borders, and guess what? And fence it. Put a hedge around it. This is mine, right? This is precious. I'm still paying every month for it. I don't want people to touch it. We are precious to him. I want you to bring that to your attention today. We are precious to him. He paid a very high price. Peter explained it perfectly. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 and 19, he says, Knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life, 
inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Jesus Christ. Does that make you precious in his eyes? When, he, when the Lord wanted to get the children of Israel out of Egypt, we're talking about over a million people. They came in, how many were they? The theologians we have in the church here. Can someone tell me how, how many when they came in? 70. 70 people. We have a theologian, you see that, and my wife back there. 70 people. 70 came in, they got out over 1 million people after almost 400, 430 years. 1 million. And when the Lord wanted to take them out, what did he tell them? He said, I am going to send the angel of death. And I'm going to fence you. Everyone who belongs to me, I want you to put the blood over the threshold of the house, around the house. So when the angel comes, he says, I will see the blood. I will pass over you. A blood, a lamb was slain to redeem the nation, all of it. Precious. I would not let anyone get harm as long as he is under my blood. And when Satan comes to this hedge and sees this fence and he tries to touch this fence, he will be electrocuted, I tell you right now. Children of God, as you go to your work tomorrow, as you meet people, as you cross streets, ride cars, trains, BART, whatever, airplanes, there are dangers. But let me tell you one thing. Everywhere you go, remember that you are under the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are protected. Why? Because he is precious. Well, that reminds me of a woman who was passing by and she was always known, a young lady, who was always known to dress well, dress modestly and worship God, to go to church every meeting. And she was known in the neighborhood. And in the neighborhood, you know, some men would like to go after the girls and talk to them. And when she used to pass, they used to look at her and used to tell her, this is God's own, don't touch her. You are God's own, you're precious, and as long as you are in his will, no power under the sun can touch you. You are precious. So we said, it's a sign of ownership and a, you are precious in your own sight. The third point, my last point, is that hedge around you, Job, and around you, Christian, is for protection. Protection. There's a life sign that you don't see. Over Around, and this large sign says, no trespassing. No trespassing. And what does it mean? If anyone crosses this fence, he will be prosecuted. Don't you see sometimes no trespassing? People want to protect their property. Okay, if God wants to protect his property, do you blame him? We praise him for his protection. The people living with this, within this fence, it says, they belong to me, says God Almighty. Do not even think of trying. There will be grave persecutions, repercussions, and all. The Bible assures us of God's purpose of this fence, and his promise 
in Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 10. He guarded, he says, he guarded his people, millions. He guarded his people as the pupil of his eye. You cannot even touch your eye. It's painful. This, this is how important. This is how it is when God, when God protects you. He protects you. And he says further on, for he who touches you touches the apple of my eye. Children of God, saints this morning, do not go around fearful. And you know, in the Bible, I said it before, but just a reminder that fear not, the word fear not, two words, fear not, are repeated in the Bible 365 times. So use one every day. Use one every day. And do not be fearful. Do not be fearful from the devil. Do not be fearful from stories. Do not be fearful from war. Do not be fearful of what's happening, especially in the United States today and in the world. You know what? That will bring us closer to seeing the Lord very soon. Do not be fearful. He who touches you, he who touches you, touches the apple of my eye. You cannot touch my children unless I allow it. And there are some allowances. For our own good, as I said, and for our own growth. Fear not. He watches over you every day. If you are on his plan, let me say this. If you are on his plan, he will take care of you. So pray every day as I pray. Lord, put me on your plan today. Whatever your plan, I'm ready to take it. I have a plan, Lord. But put your plan before him. I'm not going to say don't plan. I, you get up in the morning, I say, I, I don't know where I'm going. No, no. You have to know where you're going. I'm going to drive my car to go to work. Lord, put me on your plan in that. Help me in that. You are not going to go scattered and not knowing what to do. We put plans. We put plans for vacations. And you know what I say? I make reservations for our vacation. I, I, you let you know. Before I leave the hotel from the first vacation, a year before, I said, Lord, if it's your plan, we'll go. If it's not, cancel it. And I, I leave it alone. Put me on your plan. And let me tell you this. If you are obedient to God, and if you are walking daily in his precepts, and if you know that he will direct you Every step of the way, you do not have to worry about his plan. Because what are his plans? Everybody says about, uh, t tells me about Jeremiah 29, 11. What are his plans for you? You know it all by heart. Plan for what? For catastrophe. And accidents. And problems. And what? Plans for? Plan. For a good life. Plan for prosperity. Yes. He doesn't want you to be poor. Let's get up and work. He doesn't like lazy people. The plan of God for you is the best plan you can have. We have plans to always to have some people, two or one or two, around the building for security, right? We have a plan. But I want to tell us and tell myself, folks, church, these men, may God bless them, who go around watching for our security. But we have a fence, unseen fence, that God is securing the church for us on a daily basis. They're watching. And he's watching over us. And with him in control, I want to quote four verses from Psalm 91, from verse 5 to 8. With him in control, if 
If Ed puts it on there, I want to read it and go slow with me and remember, remember what a great God we have. He is addressing you and me. He's addressing everyone. You will not be afraid of the terror by night. Or of the arrow that flies by day. Of the pestilence that stalks in darkness. Or of the destruction that lays waste at noon. A thousand may fall at your side. <laughs> Praise God. And ten thousand at your right hand. But it shall not approach you. You will only look on with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. How many times you newly parents people and when you look at your children and you love them so much and you see them through babyhood and then childhood, three years, four years, five years, oh, they're going to go to school, right? Five years, just start thinking, thinking. They have to go to kindergarten. And the hardest thing is when the mother or the father takes them for the first day at school, right? And to part. And they're crying and you're crying. And you don't know whether they're going to be safe. And whether or who's going to, especially nowadays, is there safety for them? Let me tell you one thing. The moment they leave your hand, the hand of an angel will take them to the class. He promised to protect you. He promised to protect them. He will protect your children. He protect your grandchildren. He'll protect you. He who trusts in the Lord, mercy shall surround him. You have that fence. Yes, he said, isn't that, isn't that true that you have fenced him? How can I get in there? And tell you one thing, Satan, you will not be able to get in there as long as the fence is around me. I have a story to end with. This is half the message, by the way. We'll continue next time. I have a story for you. This is a true story. I will end up with that. A wonderful story by an alliance missionary in connection with the protection of God. An American missionary and his wife bravely went to their station where 20 years before, two missionaries had been killed and eaten by the natives. They said as they took up their work, it seems as if often they were surrounded not only by the hostile natives, but by the very powers of darkness. May God be with every missionary. These latter were so real that night after night, they were forced to get up and strengthen their hearts by reading the word of God. Again, they would pray. One day, a man came and said, I would like to see your watchman close at hand. The missionary replied, I have no watchman. I have only a cook and a little boy. What watchman do you mean? The man asked permission to look through the missionary's home. Every corner of the house was carefully searched and the man came out of the house greatly disappointed. He could not find anything. Then the missionary asked the man to tell him about the watchman to whom he referred. Here is the man's answer. When you and your wife came here, we determined to kill you. And we did the mission, as we did the missionaries 20 years ago, night after night, we came to carry out our intentions but there always stood around your house a double row of watchmen with glittering weapons, and we dare not come near. Take that if you can. That's true. At last, we hired a professional assassin who said he feared neither God nor devil. Last night, he came close to your house. We followed at a distance, brandishing his spear. There stood the shining watchman, and the killer fled in terror. So we have given up the purpose of killing you. But please tell us, who are the watchmen? The missionary opened the word of God and read, The angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him, and he delivers them.
Let's bow our heads for prayers. Remember who is watching over you. The beloved of the Lord shall dwell in safety by him. He is your honor, your precious in his eyesight, and he is to protect you. And this is the hedge that God has placed around you. Can you say, I am his today? I invite you to say, Lord, take me, I'm yours. I give my life to you. I want you to own me. I know I'm precious in your sight, and I want you to protect me from here on. If there's someone who'd like me to pray for him this morning, for you, just lift up your hand. Say, Lord, Adel, I want to be the Lord's. Is there someone? Is there anyone? Amen. Amen. Is there anyone else? Say, Lord, I want to become yours. I want to take you as my savior. I want to be yours. I, I, I'm, I'm, worry is so much for me. I'm a nervous wreck. Take over. Do you want to do that? Let me see your hand. And I'll pray for you. As we come to the conclusion of this service, our Father, we pray that we will never forget the hedge that we have around us, your protection and your care. And we pray for this soul that needs to take you as Savior, that you take her, change her, save her with your own blood so she can become yours. As for us Christians, we love you, Lord. We love you. We heard about your love. And that's, you have put this fence around us because you love us so much. Help us never to forget and tell the devil to get behind us and go forward serving you, loving you, and honoring you in our life. Dismiss us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The meeting is over. Thank you for listening. God bless you and be with you. And remember, God is in control. Amen.